Every week on Culture 101, we invite a guest to give a shout-out to other artists to share some cultural love. And this week, we're welcoming a beloved artist who's not only created a remarkable body of music, but she's also brought vividly to contemporary life, we think, the culture surrounding country rock and roll and soul music. It is, of course, Tammy Nielsen, who this month takes her rock and roll review out on the road with another legend, Dinah Lee. The tour's kicking off in New Plymouth on Thursday night before making it to Tamaki Makoto, Pornaki and Otatahi. And so by way of rock and roll introduction to the radio stage, here's the opening of her track, Mama's Talking. Well, he's working the room and his voice goes boom and he's drowning out the thoughtful conversation. He says, listen up, honey, I was only being funny. Don't start with your feminist condemnation. Well, he flies with the vultures and he cries. Cancel culture anytime you try to call him out. He storms, he rages like manners are contagious. Honey, turn the volume down. Mama's talking. Talking. Well, that's Mama's talking. Kia ora, Tami, are you there? Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like I might need to be a bit quiet in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there are exceptions. Yeah. There's so many remarkable songs off your last album, Kingmaker, we could have played. So thank you for, for a beautiful album. Oh, thank you. Um, now, we've called it here on Culture 101, Tammy. Forget about the Rolling Stone Awards. We bestow on you today the Culture 101 Award for Country and Rock and Roll's Most Creative Dresser. Oh, well, thank you very much. And you know what? That 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 <laughs> kind of is questionable when it's on radio and nobody can see me. <laughs> well, hopefully they might check out our webpage because we've got some photographs. And um, I wanted to start actually in terms of talking about this because I'm interested in, in, in your look, I guess, in terms of a stage persona and this kind of Americana feel that you, you have. Um, mm. And I, 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 we've got an image up there from the, the recent Rolling Stone Awards that have happened in Auckland, uh, and you're in some new J. Boyne Western wear. Can you tell us yes. a bit about that? Yeah, that one is a uh, a custom dress from. She's a, a Canadian, um, just you know, independent uh, designer, and does these little custom suits. Normally, she does, but I'm like, would you do a dress? Um, I'm not as much of a suit girl, and. Uh, <laughs> And I've done a uh, I've done a couple outfits with her now, and she's always like, "Okay, what have you got for me?" Like I I give her a theme, and then she kind of runs with it. And so that's so, amazing. So what was the theme you gave her this time? The theme for this one was like kiss and make up. So it's like all makeup and ah, like right. hair products and like hairspray and a beehive, and so kind of yeah, it, it's kind of like representing my style within. A dress. <laughs> it's being redundant, you know. That's so cool. So, is this? I mean, in terms of all of your all of your gear, um, is it custom made? I mean, are you are you commissioning stuff from artists all the time? Then I tend to, yeah, because um, I usually have a really specific thing I have in mind. Predominantly, I use um, New Zealand designers, um, uh, Curvy Couture by Judy D, and then nice. she collaborates with. Um, 
uh, renowned New Zealand artist Zoe Hall. Oh, Zoe, yeah. Yeah, so Zoe's part of the Dream Girls Collective. Absolutely. She's incredible. Um, and she's obviously getting way too busy with being, you know, famous and amazing doing murals all over New Zealand. So um, she doesn't have as much time anymore to do to do dresses for me, but she she will once in a while squeeze one in <laughs> just she, for me. Um, she, they, the Dream Girls, as a thing, you sent me a, a, a care package and it included a, a Mambo shirt of Zoe Hall's that I wore, I wore to the World of Wearable Arts opening last week. Oh, how cool. <laughs> I nice? mean, you can't go wrong wearing <laughs> Zoe Hall. Yeah. So that's really cool. Uh, just going back to the J-Boy in Western wear, you mentioned suits. Is that the kind of Americana kind of nudie suit culture? I'm kind of really interested in it. I mean, I always remember seeing the Flying Burrito Brothers and falling in love mm. with with Graham Parsons and seeing those nudie suits. It's quite a, a quite a culture, isn't it? It is, it is. And so, like, Nudie Khan was a suit maker back in kind of the 40s and 50s, and it was, you know, his suits were very much, um, you know, flashy and gaudy and just covered in rhinestones and all this beautiful embroidery. And um, country musicians really adopted... Um, his style and uh, it was kind of, you know, and they're very expensive suits as well. They're like thousands and thousands of dollars because there's so much work and detail that goes into them. Um, you know, uh, Elvis famously wore nudie suits. Oh, right, um, yes. Country artists, like you'll, as you said, Graham Parsons, one is very famous. Um, Dolly Parton, you know, you still, you look at the Grand Ole Opry and people wear them like a badge, you know, it's it's a very kind of, um, and, and there are designers now, um, it, it went on to his son Manuel, Nudie, um, and he carried on, he's now I think in his 80s or 90s, and so it, that tradition carries on, but um, a mm. lot of designers are influenced by him and now they carry on the tradition as well. I'm kind of interested in this kind of whole Americana style because I, I've, I've seen that you've, you've just been on the road, on a bit of a roadie with your family mm-hmm. around North America and, and you stopped off in the California desert there mm. uh, at, what's it called, Salvation? Salvation Mountain. Mountain. Leonard Knight's amazing. We've got an image on our webpage. It, it, that kind of feels Americana too, this kind of brightly kind of pop colors and it seems very much part of your image. Yeah, I mean, that that Salvation Mountain is just such an iconic, I guess it's all wrapped up in folk art, you know, and yeah. um, it's been recognized um, as a, a landmark of folk art in, in America. But um, kind of having that juxtaposition of it almost feels like you're in the middle of this barren desert um, for hours and hours driving out to this place. My yeah. husband's like, where are we going? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, this kind of like technicolor, it feels like a, a piece of the Wizard of Oz has just like landed in the middle of the desert. It's um, it's just incredible. And his story is the thing. It really it surprisingly moved me to right. tears when I was there. Um, you know, he was he started when he was in his 50s. Yeah. He did not consider himself an artist. He worked on it for five years of his life, and then it collapsed <laughs> because he was using concrete. And then he changed. He started again. That's the oh thing that really goodness. got me. As an artist to go, I just spent five years of my life doing this, and then to pick it up and start again. And this time he used Adobe clay and straw and 
and that is what still stands today. He worked on it for 28 years of his life. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's incredible to me that as an artist, that really speaks to me to build something, to create something in the middle of nowhere where no one sees it just because you feel compelled. Yeah. And that's your purpose. Yeah. Hey, well, the, I guess that's the Americana side of your cultural image, but I, I, I know also on your trip that you've been doing a bit of a look with your whanau of looking at your indigenous Canadian or indigenous mm. American heritage. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, this trip was, you know, one of the big reasons for this trip was for my boys, to my two little boys, to really get to know the other side of, of their family and the and where they come from and their heritage and their ancestors so that they'd feel more connected. Um, you know, they obviously know they're half Canadian, but they don't really, you know, g- going there once every five years for two weeks doesn't quite cut, cut it for really kind of feeling connected. And so part of that was visiting and learning about the history, going to these places that are you know, important to our family. And one of them, my dad's, uh, my grandmother on my dad's side uh, was Indigenous. She was Ojibwe. And so um, I met my cousin. Uh, she drove down and we met on the reservation, the Wasaksing Na- Nation um, in Georgian Bay in Ontario, right. where my grandmother was from, where her people were from. And visited there, visited her, um, just visited the graveyard um, and paid homage and did sage ceremony, um, just honoring our ancestors and remembering them. And that was incredibly special. And um, a- another thing, we went, we took the boys from my mom's side of the family, my, my great-grandfather on that side came through Ellis Island. And ah. so, yeah, we took the boys to Ellis Island. <laughs> we were able to look up his records. Um, and learn about him coming into New York, and and he was only eighteen, and came in with ten dollars in his pocket, escaping uh, Russia, where his family um, were murdered. And so it was, it was an incredible trip, and and it wasn't just a holiday or a vacation. It was kind of this, I guess, half pilgrimage, you would say. Yeah. Um, and really, kind of getting to. Embrace that. And the thing that was the most rewarding to me was hearing my boys, you know, talk to other people on the trip and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm half Canadian. And, you know, <laughs> oh, oh, my grandmother was from here or my grandfather was from here. And it, it's just really it was just so, so enriching for, for me as 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 their mom and being an expat over here um, for them to really connect. That's that's so cool to hear that story. Well, we've actually got this amazing 91-year-old Indigenous Canadian filmmaker on with Polina later in the show, Elanice Abornsawin, which is remarkable. She's got a show at Artspace in Auckland at the moment, 91 years old. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's a later in the show. But look, um, thank you for all your work in terms of shouting out to other artists, which you do remarkably through your work. I was looking at that wonderful artwork for Kingmaker by Maria Francesca Melis. But I, mm. I want to cross briefly before we go to, to this musical tour you're doing, because you're doing the most incredible shout out to a legend um, in rock and roll who maybe doesn't really got the props as a singer-songwriter she deserved, which is Dinah Lee, right? Mm. Yeah, and like I've always been a huge fan of Dinah's and never, you know, I never thought we'd get to work together because she lived in Australia. And it wasn't till I was kind of scrolling through social media looking, a, a girlfriend of mine was touring around New Zealand and there was a photo of her backstage with Dinah Lee. And I'm like, 
what is Dinah Lee doing with you? Like, is she in New Zealand visiting? And she said, no, she's she's just moved back here. And that, like, within an hour, I had my manager and the promoter and everybody. <laughs> I was on, they were on board. And I'm like, we have <laughs> to do a tour with this woman. I'm just, I'm so excited. And I think that, you know, artists um, that have paved the way for us, especially, you know, women in music, it's so important to acknowledge and celebrate yeah. the people whose shoulders we stand on today. Yeah. That's just so wonderful, Tammy. Well, thanks for coming today. You're off. Uh, I think you, you played New Plymouth on Thursday night, then Tommy Mikado and uh, Ponaki and Ototahi.